Shalom Uvracha, welcome back to the OU Women's Initiative, Nach Yomi. My name is Michal Horowitz. Today we will be studying Sefer Shoft in Parak Bet. So I'm actually going to begin in Parak Bet, Pasuk Vav, chapter 2, verse 6, and then we're going to come back to the first five Pesukim, which is really going to be the focus of today's Shia. So let me give you the Steinsaltz Navim introduction to the beginning of Parak- Pasuk Vav. Okay, so I know I'm beginning. We're missing the first five Pesukim. We're going to come back. Okay, Steinsaltz Navim introduction to Parak Beis, Pesukim Vav through Chav Gimel. Up to this point, the book has dealt with the overall geopolitical situation in the land. The tribes of Israel have failed to drive out the inhabitants of many Canaanite cities, and instead they live alongside the enemy. The people are no longer directly involved in the service of God, do not relate to him in their everyday lives. Although, although the Mishkan is still standing, it is not the center of national affairs. Few visit the holy site on a regular basis. For the majority of people, it is no more than a theoretical entity to which they pay nominal respect. This section, Perak Bey's Psukim Vav through Chav depicts in a schematic manner the general structure of life during the period of the judges, while the major and specific events are presented in detail in the chapters that follow. What we're going to see is a repeated, pa- a repeated pattern that consists of troubles and distress experienced by the nation, as a result of which they are awakened to remember God and repent. Someone arises from the people, a judge, they do teshuva, God forgives them, but then the cycle begins all over again. That's really what these psukim detail. It begins by telling us, The first few psukim of this section begin by recalling in the days of Yehoshua that the people went in the, in the ways of God and they need, they took possession of the land. However, Pesod Yud tells us, The entire generation of the time of Yehoshua died after telling us that in the time of Yahushua, the nation did what it was supposed to do, that entire generation died, and a new generation arose. They did not know God. They did not know what B'nai Israel was supposed to be doing. They were starting to stray. Verse 11, the people of Israel did bad in the eyes of Hashem. They worship Baal, Avodazara, they left God, the God of their fathers, who took him out from the land of Egypt. They went after other gods. They started to learn from the nations who lived in the land of Canaan, the land of Israel, that they did not successfully drive out. They worshiped these other gods. They angered Hashem. They left Hashem, so to speak. They did Avodazara. They worshipped Baal. They worshipped Ashtaros. Hashem became angry. So again, remember, this section of Shoftim in this parak is describing the general pattern of the theme of Sefer Shoftim. It's not telling us what happens under a specific judge in a specific time period, in a specific city. It's telling us in general of the theme of Sefer Shoftim. The people forget about God. They worship Baal. They worship Ashros. They worship Avodazara. They learn from the Canaan and nations that surround them that they have not driven out of the land. God becomes angry. A prophet arises. A judge arises. They repent. But then the cycle happens all over again. The wrath of God flared against Israel. What are Shosim? 
the wrath of God was inflamed against Israel, and Hashem delivered them into the hands of the Shosim. So this is extremely interesting. The Steinzeltz Nevi'im notes, Egyptian documents dating from the 14th century before the Common Era, imagine that, to the 12th century before, before the Common Era, mentioned the Shasu, a nomadic group, tribe, or nation that threatened the permanent residents of the region and the trade routes. Some identify the Shosim as Amalek. It is possible that the name Shosim is of Egyptian origin. It was adapted into Hebrew as a general term for bandits, especially those who operated in border, border regions. I found that fascinating. So going back to 14th century before the Common Era, 12th century before the Common Era, Egyptian documents already record the existence of this group called Shosim, which some say means Amalek. And they caused problems for the people of the regions, for the people of the border. And Hashem became angry at Israel, and they gave him in the hands of the Shosim. Unbelievable. The children of Israel were weak. They were sold into the hand of their enemies. They could no longer stand before the enemies. The hand of God was against them for harm. Just as God spoke. And they were very distressed. However, from time to time, Pasuk Tazayin, Vayakum Hashem Shoftim. Hashem established for them judges, the people, the judges admonished the people, and then they were saved from the hands of the Shosim. The, the, they were saved from the hands of the Shosim. So what we're seeing is a pattern. However, Pasuk Zion tells us they did not listen to the judges, they strained after other gods, they bowed down before him, they quickly went away from the path of their fathers. Pasuk Zion. Therefore, Pasuk Yedchas, V'chi hekim Hashem lahem shoftim, V'haya Hashem shofi v'oshem yad oivehem. When God established for them a judge, God was with the judge, and they were saved from the hands of the enemies, Kol yimei ha-shofet, all the days of that judge, Ki yinachem Hashem me'nak ha-sam, M'pnei do'chatseyem v'do'chakim, because Hashem had a change of mind, He didn't want to punish them, He didn't want to destroy them, He relented in response to their outcry from their prosecutors. And persecutors, I'm sorry, prosecutors and persecutors. So um, this is just teaching us the structure of what the nation is undergoing, what they are choosing, the path and behavior that they choose. Hashem becomes angry at them, suffering befalls them, they're given into the hands of bandits, enemy, a shofate arises like a navi, admonishes them, they return to the good. I want to go back and look at the first five second. You know, we said how powerfully relevant is everything that happens in Tanakh for our time and our generation. I just met somebody in Israel and she said to me, no, I'm learning Divrayam and Bet. The recordings were from two years ago. She said, it's like you're speaking about now, what's happening now? And I don't know her name, maybe she's listening to this recording and she knows who she is. I thank you for coming over to me. At the Yerushalayim, she said, "I'm listening to the Devarim and Barakoyim, and it's like you're talking about now. What's happening now?" And that's because Tanakh is so timeless. I want you to listen to the first five psukim. I'm going back to Parak Beis. Vayal Malach Hashem in a Gilgal el Habochim. Vayomer Aala Eschem in Mitzrayim. Vaavi Eschem ala Aretz Hashem Nishpati Davaseichem. Vaamar Lo Efer Brisit Chem LeOlam. A messenger of God likely a Navi, went up from Gilgal to Bochim, a place called Bochim, which means weeping. We're going to see, based on the Pesukim, why it's called weeping. 
And he said to this large gathering of the Israelites, I brought you from the land of Egypt. I brought you to the land that I swore to your forefathers. And I have said to you, I will not breach my covenant with you. This is the word of God through the prophet speaking to the people of Bochim. But there is a condition. My covenant is eternal with you. However, be very, very careful. Pasuk base. But I told you something very important. You can never establish a covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You must smash their altars. But you did not listen to my voice. You made a covenant with the people of the land. Did you think? You could reach an agreement with the Canaanites in the land. What have you done? And I warned you, and I said, if you make a covenant, if you think you have a partner in peace, I will not chase them out of the land from before you. They will be traps for you. And their ideologies, false gods that they worship, will be a snare, will be a trap for you. And when the messenger of God spoke all these words to the Bnei Yisrael, when the messenger spoke to the people and he told them, you cannot, I want to actually quote the Steinzeltz, Nevi'im commentary to Pasuk Gimel. I'm really in Pasuk Dalad, but I'm going back. Listen carefully. Pasuk Gimel. The messenger of God says to the people of Bochim, I also warned you in advance, and I said, if you make a covenant with them, I will not expel them anymore from before you. They will be a trap for you. They will be irritants. They will ambush you from the side. Their gods will be a snare for you. You may not and cannot successfully intermingle with the Gentile nations. If you do not eradicate them, their hatred for you will persist and you will forfeit your grace and favor in the eyes of God as well. When the messenger of God spoke these matters to the children of Israel, the large group that was standing in Bochim, the people raised their voice and they wept. That's why it's called Bochim. They cried. Steinzeltz Neviim, why did they cry? They knew they had not fulfilled their responsibilities. They felt guilty and helpless. They had attempted to make a covenant with the people of the land. They thought they could live in peace. They thought they had a partner. They did not eradicate the Canaanites, the Yavusi, the Chiti, the Prizi from the land of Israel. Pasukei, and therefore they called the name of this place Bochim, due to the great weeping that we read about in Pasuk, in Pasuk Dalet. And they offered sacrifices to God. I'm going to quote, it's just really incredible, as one learns through Tanakh. I'm including, I know this is Nachami, but I'm including Torah and because our Torah, are so eternal, so far-reaching. Like we said yesterday, the captain said to his platoon, you're not only fighting for today, you're writing the next parak. The Chavta al-Sifrei Tanakh, our biblical canon, are not only about the events when they happened, 
They are teaching a horah, a morah, horah, Torah instruction for all times. Going to quote from a website. This website is called NobelPrize.org. I looked it up to prepare this parak. Yasir Arafat, the Nobel Peace Prize, 1994. Born 24 August 1929, Cairo, Egypt. Died 11 November 2004, Paris, France. Residence at the time of the word, Palestine. Role, chairman of the executive committee of the PLO, president of the Palestinian National Authority. Prize motivation for their efforts to create peace in the Middle East. In 1974, Yasser Arafat addressed the United Nations General Assembly. He was holding an olive branch for peace in one hand and a freedom fighter pistol in the other. 20 years later, in 1994, he and the Israeli leaders, Perez and Rabin, received the peace prize for having opted for the olive branch. Yasser Arafat received the peace prize because he opted for the olive branch by signing the so-called, so-called Oslo Accords in Washington. The agreement was aimed at reconciliation between Israelis and Palestinians. I'm quoting from NobelPrize.org. Arafat grew up in Cairo and Jerusalem. He took part in the war against the new state of Israel in 1948, where many Palestinians were expelled. As a qualified engineer, he took a job in Kuwait. From there, he organized the guerrilla group Fatah, which attacked Israel. Following Israel's occupation of the West Bank and Gaza in 1967, he became the leader of the PLO, Palestinian Liberation Organization, an umbrella group for Palestinian guerrilla groups. The groups reported to terror to attract world, I'm sorry, the groups resorted to terror to attract world attention. But it gradually became clear to Arafat he would have to accept the state of Israel for the USA to be willing to mediate in the dispute. He approved the meeting of Palestinian negotiations with Israelis at secret negotiations in Oslo, and for his effort, Yasser Arafat was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 1994. If you do not, if you think, you can live alongside the inhabitants of the land. If you do not smash their altars, Mazosasisim, what have you done? There'll be traps and snares for you. Steindelt's Nevi'im. You may not and cannot successfully intermingle with the Gentile nations. If you do not eradicate them, their hatred for you will persist. God forbid you will then forfeit your grace and favor in the eyes of God as well. When the people realized that they had attempted to make treaties with the inhabitants of the land. They called the name of this place Bochim. They offered sacrifices to God. What can I say? Thank you so much for learning with me. We will continue tomorrow. Call Tov, and thank you so much to all. Thank you for studying together the Lui Nishamot Imoteno Yikarot, Esther Oppenheimer La Sham, and Sarah Shankar La Sham, each deeply devoted and proudly transmit their family's Torah legacy to the next generations. Call Tov, thank you to all, and I look forward to continuing our learning tomorrow.